0: You're listening to CRE Deal Flow with Tyson Cross. In this show, we'll talk about what it means to hustle as a broker, investor, and lifelong learner in the
1: world of commercial real estate. There is a proven path to growing a successful commercial real estate business and long-term passive income. And now, here's your host, Tyson Cross. All right. Welcome everybody to another episode of Mobile Home Park Minute. And I am your host, as always, Tyson Cross, alongside my friend and business partner, uh, Kari Gates. Kari, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you bet. So Kari and I have known each other a few years now, and we met because he joined the brokerage firm that I used to be at. He and I still work at the same brokerage. Kari doing apartments. Um, but Kari is going to talk a little bit today about being a mobile home park owner he bought a park three years ago and he's going to talk a little bit about what it's like and what he's learned in those first three years being an owner. And so, Kari, I guess before we do that, you just want to give everyone a, a little bit of background on yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So prior to five years ago, I actually had no experience in brokerage, no experience in owning a park. Uh, my background is in consumer products. Um, I worked for a number of large brands managing the development, design and development of product. My path to real estate really came from actually owning a single family residential property. And you know, my wife, and I, when we relocated back here to Portland after being in Utah for a number of years, I realized that you know I was traveling 150,000 miles a year and I knew Portland, but I didn't know Portland. The companies that I worked for were located here, but a lot of the work that we did was outside of the state and outside of the country. And so being here in Portland, one of my goals was to become more vested in the community and raising a family and caring about what's happening around my family and in the community. I thought real estate would be a good path for me to pursue. And so I had the opportunity through a network to meet with a number of brokers around town. And my path to brokerage was working in apartments as I owned the single family house. It made the most sense to me. And my father had a background in affordable housing back east. So I had some indication of what that looked like. The acquisition of the park really actually happened when I was at the previous brokerage firm that we worked at. And with the single family home, we had grown some equity into it and we were looking to acquire Really, actually, I was looking at apartments because that's what I had known. And then in speaking with you and learning a little bit more about, um, the, the mobile home park or manufactured home space, it made a lot of sense, uh, to me. Um, especially because, you know, one of the pieces that, that I learned and have learned have been continuing to learn that I'm interested in and is in affordable housing, uh, and really tackling that as we are even in the state of Oregon, we're at a deficit of 110,000 units. And a majority of that is around this affordable housing and affordable housing is a very large spectrum. It's, you know, you have the the ones where folks actually have vouchers, but also you're looking at the 80%, um, which is what we're really tackling. Um, middle income workforce housing, which is really needed. Uh, and so the acquisition of the park really happened through evaluating one is um looking at affordable housing. Two is the return on investment, uh, and it also afforded me an opportunity to kind of look at which is my other interest is really in- cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think okay. it's interesting because when you did, I
1: remember when you started at HFO and, and we were talking about your exchange and you had indicated, Hey, I'm going to be selling this property. I need to find something. Naturally, you were looking at apartments which mm-hmm. you knew before, but also I think because we were at a brokerage firm that sold apartments mm-hmm. and this was just really, I would say not the beginning, but certainly early on in my sort of natural journey through mobile home parks and the transition into it. But remember we talked about it and I was, surprised at how quickly you warmed up to the idea i think a Mm -hmm. lot of people look at mobile home parks and never having any experience in them before they it takes a while a little bit longer maybe to get more turned on to the idea because they are a different animal i mean it's definitely different than apartments and i think apartments are much more mainstream people understand them talk about how you were able to get so comfortable with it quickly and what really drew you to it obviously the affordable housing component but you could argue that there's a lot of apartments that (laughs) satisfy that in some way as well
0: yeah (laughs) I think ultimately I always approach everything with an open mind. And I think that's really important. And I think that manufactured homes, and and this is also something that I would as an owner, I would I think is important for the ownership group and also for communicating with municipalities, they get a bad rap. There's a negative connotation around them. That there are RV parks, that's not a sense of community. It's it's kind of like the NIMBY effect of not in my backyard. Uh, And what I learned and have been continuing to learn is that there's various spectrums of what manufactured homes look like. And it's a, a very, you know, we have folks that are looking at how do we solve the affordable housing crisis and what does that look like? And I've seen in working in the apartment side, it takes a long time to develop. You have to go through various municipalities with getting the permitting, going through the SDCs, and then actually building that facility or building that apartment building. When I was looking at manufactured homes, so in addition to the communities, is that you have, one is a product that's built because my, again, my, my background is in product design and development, working with, engineers working with designers, I understand that process. I actually understand manufacturing. When I was looking at manufactured homes and seeing that these are actually homes that are constructed in a controlled environment that you can get that are HUD certified and that are well produced, it really made sense to me. And then in yeah. addition to that, the other piece that is also made sense from a financial standpoint is a payback period on a manufactured home as an owner. If you were looking to sell that home in the community where you could get, you could order that product, it gets delivered and it's in congruence with the other inventory that you have there, that's what made sense to me. It's the opposite of actually on apartments where you can go around town and you see these cranes and it's like, it's very inefficient. And so coming from the background, I think that I had in manufacturing in that process and understanding that it was really easy for me to see the benefit of manufactured homes of we call it manufactured homes, modular homes. They're similar. You're building it in a controlled environment. It allows you to, to continue to really, I think, build things quickly, but also two standards that are aligned with, you know, anything else that's built out there. So it was really, it just really made sense to me um, yeah. in that sense. What do you say to people? Because
1: I think there's still a lot of negative connotation to mobile home parks, sure. factory housing community, whatever you want to call it. I think a lot of it stems from the stigma around the name that we associate sure. with it. But I also think that people look at this and when you talk about affordable housing specifically, mm-hmm. if you break it down, it definitely does provide more affordable housing. Absolutely. That said, you do have a scenario where somebody buys a home, yet they don't own the land that it's on. Sure. And therefore, they have this perpetual, I guess, problem. I don't know what you want to call it. But you know, you essentially have a home that you own, but you don't have the land. So you're always going to have that rent that's being paid. Sure. I think you and I have, we understand that, right? And I would liken it to an HOA fee of some sort, Sure, uh, if you want to call it that. But what would you say in terms of how you would argue that, that point to people who maybe say, hey, don't, don't go buy a home, a mobile home park because you don't own the land. Therefore, you're subject to all the things a landlord's going to do. Well,
0: I think first and foremost, I don't consider myself an owner. I can consider myself a steward and a steward of the land. And it's the community. I think one of the things when we acquired the park, the community, it was to change the name. And this idea, it was called Surfside Mobile Village. I'll provide the name of the, the community. But we, we changed it to a community because the individuals own their homes and their community members. And I think that as an owner, and I think about this now as a, as a traditional homeowner we pay taxes on that land if the pipes break you know there's issues with trees all of the infrastructure around that those are additional costs that as a homeowner you don't the the manufactured homeowner doesn't have to worry about and we do road improvements we do all of those things that are tied to it and so i think that there are elements i would also like to see improvements as it relates to the municipalities and how manufactured homes are treated I don't believe that individuals that own manufactured home should pay taxes on those homes every year, personal property, and also how they're handled. I believe that we, as the owners of that land, which we already do, we're paying taxes on there. I think that there's a double taxation standard as it relates to it. And especially there may be, this is a longer conversation around thresholds for what that looks like because the people that live in these communities traditionally are on their income bracket is fitting within that 80%. And so the argument from my perspective is, is that as a manufactured community steward. We are responsible for all of the grounds in and around the property except the home itself, which the homeowner does not have to, to be concerned with, which quite frankly pertains to the envelope, which is some of the most expensive costs as it relates to housing in general. Yeah, great point.
1: I think the way you frame it and how we view ourselves or you view yourself is not necessarily an owner, but as a steward of the land, right? And I think understanding it from that perspective can better explain the point behind the responsibility there is. And I think your your point about the taxes is is also a very good one. I mean, you don't pay tax annually on a car, right? Which is also personal property, which you also have a title for, which you also register at the DMV. So I think that there's a lot of... That part is... I've never understood that, frankly, as to why that is. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, at some point, that goes away. I think they've actually talked about that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's something that as an owner and continually being involved in this space that I'd like to get more involved in to initiate the change. I think the other piece being that people also need to understand that that as a manufactured home owner, their property is appreciating. I can tell you that we've had a number of community members in our community that have actually sold their home for more than they purchased it. So there is appreciation in that asset. And That's we've right. seen that consistently.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I remember that on LinkedIn, you had a there was a guy you responded to about this topic. And I think you brought up the taxation. Mm-hmm. I actually commented to him that uh, appreciation is very alive in manufactured housing. Mm-hmm. And really, I would, I mean, we know our area, it's definitely in the West Coast appreciating. I think it's also happening in other areas of the country, but mm-hmm. probably varied levels depending on where you are. I mean, we naturally Absolutely. have more so, But yeah, I mean, we're regularly seeing double wides that are selling for six figures, whereas five, six, seven years ago, maybe they weren't quite that high. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I mean, so I think that there are advantages to investing in a manufactured home. If that's something that is an option, I think... People are benefiting from that tremendously.
0: Absolutely. I would also argue. Go ahead. I was just going to say. I think the other piece is is that understanding if you look at the cost of a manufactured home relative to your traditional home, it's significantly less. And so, if you're looking at your traditional mortgage payment, you know, you get 20% down. For a lot of people, that's unattainable. Um, it really is unattainable. Even a, an individual that says, "Hey, you can get 20% down, even 10% down on a on a property that will appreciate, and maybe over time they transition and they want to." Move move into something larger with with more land, but it's their first foray into having a home. The the piece being that you can get a home for over $100,000, a brand new one in place, It's you can't find that any place else. And I think the other piece being is that the difference in an apartment building, in an apartment building that you may have a sense of community that's with you're with members in the in the apartment complex, but really, truly where properties I've seen that are operating consistently and what we've tried to uh, foster at our community is that, the sense of ownership um, that people have and pride. And we've seen that. We see that in and around the home, and I think that's really important. And that also spreads out into the community itself. Absolutely,
1: yeah. I would I would add one more thing too. I think that there is people argue this point about buying a home and not owning the land as a bad investment. But we've already talked about the fact that homes are appreciating, so I think that's a good point. I think you've you've mentioned that homes are significantly less than buying a regular stick built home. Mm-hmm. I think if we compare apartment buildings to a mobile home park, if somebody has the opportunity to invest in a manufactured home home mm-hmm. and that is something that they can take care of themselves where they own it themselves they have mm-hmm. pride of ownership they don't share walls with anybody like an apartment mm-hmm. and there's a good chance that that home appreciates i think it's a great a great way to build some equity because in an apartment building you're going to be paying rent right more often than not it's going to be double what you would pay for renting a space in a manufactured home if you were to buy a manufactured home on a private piece of land well now we're talking significant higher costs right mm-hmm. if somebody were to finance that your payments Probably going to be twice what you'd be paying at a manufactured home for space rent. Absolutely. So there's a lot of variables that you can't just make this blanket argument that it's a bad. It, it's it's a very very good <laughs> it, option for a lot of
0: people. It is, and I think the other part is is that we as homeowners, <laughs> I think, are blinded. The reality is, do we really own the land? We don't. We pay taxes on it. If you know Multnomah County, the same home. Yeah. But the reality is, is that let's be let's be honest with ourselves as homeowners. Do we really own the land? Um, we don't have control over or the taxes that get paid. On that land. My point was, is that we're paying taxes on that. Uh, yeah. And they, and those taxes continually go up and they'll go up for, for various reasons. And so yeah. I think that's just a, it's a perspective. It's a perspective of what we have around ownership and what that looks like. I think the other piece I would just say about, about manufactured home communities, not dissimilar to apartments is that you have various cl- classes and levels, just like homes. And, you know, we've seen that on the coast. We've seen that inland and across the board. So. Yep. No, it's a good point about the taxes. I mean, I was looking at
1: my taxes. I'm like, man, it paid our house off. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous monthly
0: payment. What the hell? Yeah. Well, ask anyone that lives in Multnomah County of where their taxes are going. I won't go there now. This is not a political conversation. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, no, that's that's this great
1: conversation. This is good stuff around manufactured housing and and really the I mean, because ultimately the conversation we're trying to have is how do we get more of this? right? Sure. I mean, you and I have talked about this. I think this is a very, very hot topic. Today, certainly more than it's ever been. Affordable housing, it's only gonna continue to become more of a, a need, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you look across across the country, I mean, home prices are at all time highs, rents on apartments are at all time highs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's getting out of control. I mean, and now with all the money we're pumping into the, the economy, it's just gonna continue to go up. And so mm-hmm. we've never been in a place more where it's more of a need. And so the conversation we're having really is about how do we justify being able to build more. Mm-hmm. right and so want to talk to you about that in terms of your thoughts on it there was an article that came out in mh uh, multi-housing news two weeks ago white house's manufactured housing plan stirs optimism they're, they're talking about lowering regulatory and financing barriers to ease the affordable housing crisis specifically they're talking about measures that would actually relax zoning mm-hmm. in various jurisdictions why talk let's talk about that like what do you think is necessary to happen to be able to build more of these
0: I think that honestly, I think there should be a national tour. The people that are making decisions need to get on the grounds and see yeah. these communities to understand what they're actually what they're voting on. The reality being, and I and I being one, is like you have an idea of what something is, but then you see it and it's not. If you were to see our our community, it is integrated into the community. Again, I think that there's a negative connotation around what manufactured home communities are. I do I think that there's that they need to be improved, and there are some that need to be improved. Absolutely not dissimilar to apartment buildings, not dissimilar to houses. And so I think that it's an understanding of what the community is and getting people that are that are the decision makers on the ground to physically walk through the communities and meet these people and see their home and see where there's opportunities for improvement. Because I think, again, there's this idea that I don't want the trailers in my backyard. And that's not at all what this space is about. And that's not what all of these communities are. It's not dissimilar again to apartments. If you have apartments In Oregon, we have... A large number of apartments that are 50 plus years and older. Those apartments need repair and they need fixing because if they don't, then they're not, not going to look great. And I think that there's again, opportunities to change the perception and changing the perception is getting the decision makers on the ground and physically walking through some of these communities, meeting these people and seeing how, what they actually look like and what that action, what they actually are and the benefits, walk through the factories, see the production. See how it can benefit and what the turnaround time is for them. So I think that that's, that's one of the major pieces. I think it's really out of sight, out of mind. Uh, you can't make decisions on those things that you haven't seen. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Like you and like me, before we
1: even knew this or really got into it, we didn't really know what the industry was about. Sure. Right? And so I think it's, it's a good point. Uh, you've done a lot of stuff to the park in the first three years. Sure specifically around some of that talk to us about some of the stuff you have done within the park in terms of improving it i think you know two more homes Mm -hmm. where there was a double wide so taking that out and putting two spaces in brand new homes talk about some of that things you've learned and what you've been able to accomplish there
0: sure well it's been a big learning curve yeah Uh, i think certainly with any type of ownership there's significantly a lot of hands on, hands on learning and learning by doing. When we purchased the park, there were two vacant pads. And so had the fortune of really, I think one is the benefit of learning from a seller who was willing to, to educate me on some of the, the ins and outs around the asset, um, mm-hmm. which was really beneficial. And so the first thing that we did was actually to get two homes in uh, when we first purchased it. I think we, right when we purchased it, we purchased two homes and got those, there, there were already two pads that were there. We put those homes in and also hiring a community manager. I think the piece being is it's one thing to own it, but also having a community manager that's just really the steward for the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really important for us to to do that. And that's, I think, is a challenge for any community is to having a really good manager. And we've been very fortunate to have a, a very good one. Um, So that was the first piece of, of getting the, those two homes in to look at stabilizing them. And then as a senior community, one of the things that I didn't anticipate was having some some vacancy. And part of that, we had a, a person that had passed away. We had a double wide that was on on the lot. And I think one of the pieces that, that we made the decision around our community was, is that we wanted to have some continuity to making sure that the homes that were there were in line with the other homes within the community and the surrounding area. And so we purchased the double wide. And this is where I learned a little bit about how taxes work within the city and also the state, it made me actually really pretty angry where the city, and I'm digressing for a second, but the, the city allows manufactured homeowners to get on tax payment plans. Um, and the city charges, I think was 18% interest. <laughs> I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I said 18% interest. And then you have the option with the state, which charges 7% interest and they need to, to pay, their property, to pay taxes. their property taxes. Yeah. And it, it's, that's one of the other areas that I do want to tackle. Um, cause I think it's, that is. Unacceptable to say the least. I'm using kind words, but uh, infuriates me. But anyway, we acquired that asset and then worked with a company to, um, we were trying to look at, you know, in under normal circumstances, not normal, but uns- under some circumstances, if we can save the home, we can. A number of these homes are older. This particular home was not salvageable. And so we made the decision to uh, destroy it. And that was pretty significant because it was an older home pre 78. So it had to have the as- asbestos abatement working with the city around kind of that process and it was a learning curve as well. And then going down and getting that done. And then what I did do again, Kind of being resourceful in my product design background. I have some friends that are good drafts people that can draft some things. And I had a, had a friend of mine draft out a layout because we we're, our goal was to try to get two homes in and then working with the, a dealer that we had had a relationship with on seeing what homes we could get in there. And so we decided on some HUD certified homes that made sense for that particular lot with the intent that we would also build out some nice decks for the homeowners there as well. And so we were able to get those two homes in just this past summer. So within the first really two and a half years, we were able to get Four homes in the other piece. I would I would just go back to as it relates to that is that you know one of the pieces that that you have in in manufactured homes if you are acquiring one and then looking to sell that home was the payback period. On our first two homes that we put in, we got our community owner or community manager in there, and you know we sold that home within two months, and then another month later we sold the other. One. Um, so the payback period from when we purchased the home to when we sold both of them, those two was probably less than four months. That included prepping the land. Um, with these last two, it was actually shorter than that. We sold those within three months. And so that was... Was great. One is for the homeowners that got in there because here in Oregon, you know, we had the devastation of some of the the forest fires, which also destroyed. I know in Southern Oregon over fifteen hundred homes, so that was pretty significant. The other piece that we did was we had when we purchased the park, we had uh, three tiny homes on the property, and we still we have two, but we made the decision to remove one. And part of that was um, not that the tiny homes were bad, but what we found was is that they we have a, being a senior community, these tiny homes have a loft and not many seniors want to be walking up the stairs in those. And so we, we actually removed one of those homes and we have rented the other two out, which has been great to some folks that are seasonal because um, we are on the coast, which has worked out really well. And also most recently, we were able to get a master lease with the hospital for traveling nurses, which was something that we had thought about and considered talk and had talked about at the beginning. But with the need for more health care workers, we've benefited from that as well. And so those were the major things over the last couple of years that we've done. And in addition to that, we have some than land that is adjacent to the park that we've been looking at and had again, I, these are things I've all learned on the fly <laughs> really by doing is that we had a geological survey done on that land to determine how and what we could do with it and working with. And in that process, um, you know, we've been working and developing relationships with the city. You know, I first learned, I learned about what, you know, nonconforming use is and getting nonconforming use permits out in that process as well. And so I think a little bit of this path into uh, the manufactured homes. Space has allowed me to to stretch my wings a little bit in terms of development, which is something that I have an interest in, in working with the local municipality, various contractors across the board from folks that are doing concrete work to folks that are doing the demolition work to the folks that are also doing the general contract work around manufactured homes. Because not every person, you know, you have general contractors that are out there, but not a lot of them have expertise around manufactured homes because there are, you know, when you're buying new homes, you can, there are certain things that you can and cannot do to the exterior of that home. If you do things like, say, for example, physically attached to the homes and new homes, it could affect the warranties of those homes. And so those are the things that I've been doing over the last year of really asking those questions, getting an understanding of what that looks like, and then also working with the local factories. We work with a local one that's on on the I-5 corridor, uh, which has been really beneficial. I would say that that MHCO, uh, getting more involved with uh, MHCO over the last couple of years and Chuck Carpenter and what he provides has been really, really beneficial in meeting other owners in this space.
1: Yeah, the MACO is the Manufactured Housing Community Organization that's for the state of Oregon. So one of the things that's been cool, and I think a lot of people may or may not know this, but one of the ways that I think was beneficial in getting homes in the park, right? talk about bringing two homes in but most people would think well gosh that that means i have to pay for these homes and how do i recoup that cost mm-hmm. right because then i have to turn around and sell them on a home. typically you would turn around and sell those on a note mm-hmm. the seller has traditionally held the note to sell the home on contract what's happening now and more and more lenders now are, are really aware of manufactured housing and the benefit and really the construction has improved significantly and i think that may, plays a big part but talk to you, tell uh, listeners how you were able to do that how were residents it's able to come in and purchase these homes.
0: Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that we did was, is again, I think we wanted to make these homes accessible. You know, there are actually a number of cash buyers that are out there, but also we wanted to make it accessible to folks that might need a loan. And so we worked with the local bank uh, in town, who happens to also do quite a bit of t- these type of loans. And I think to your point earlier is that we we reached out to other lenders that would look at potentially lending on these type of assets, and so. What what we would do in our path has been to acquire the home through owner. We purchase the home physically and then give the prospective buyer that option. They can buy it outright or we refer them to these local lenders, the local lender or the national lender. And that we've really benefited from. you know We did look at, I think, originally um, working with local real estate agents and we've let them know as well that we we're selling the homes. But it was really not a problem. I think, again, to your point, there are lenders that are out there that are getting a better understanding of what the manufactured home space looks like and offering good rates as it relates to that. And so, you know, the, the goal was to provide as many options as we could to prospective buyers, whether that be them purchasing it outright or uh, working with the local lender or another lender that that was presented to them.
1: Yeah. And it's worked out really well. Yep. It has. So essentially, the park can purchase the home with cash, set it up, and then effectively a lender will come in and cash the owner out, the park owner out, and have a loan direct with the consumer, the, the new resident. So it's a very it's a win win situation for yeah. everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then some instances, I think the other piece being is that you know when you're purchasing the home, is that you know the deposits were not nominal, but it wasn't the full. There was a port. I think it was a a small portion of the cost. And so, you know, your lead time on the manufactured home, it's not like all of a sudden it's delivered unless it's in the lot, Yeah, but it's probably like about six to eight weeks with these particular homes. And during the pandemic, it was longer, but during that time, it also allowed us to market and pre-market the asset to let people know that these are available and that expedited the process as well. So again, going back to what I was talking about, the payback period, you know, we didn't have the full on cash outlay that we would necessarily need to have right up front to get that done we already had the buyers yeah. lined up yeah
1: so um, and obviously with that comes some mistakes and learning things what were the I think three biggest things you've learned or, or mistakes or whatever you want to label it being three years now in the business sure what would you tell a new park owner or somebody looking to get into the space
0: I think like any type of investment <laughs> loaded question. It's <dude. laughs> a loaded question. I would, I would recommend when you're opening up a business, you have an amount of a contingency fund, if you will. I think what I would recommend is probably doubling that. You know, that's what I've probably. It wasn't necessarily a mistake, or that we were, but just kind of looking at that, I think is is going through that process of having a little bit more in your bank when you're starting out, and that was a, I wouldn't say necessarily a mistake, but I think just for us is is something I would recommend. The other piece I just didn't really, you know, again, kind of being a little bit blind in this in this space, having a senior community, I just truly honestly didn't anticipate that you would be navigating people passing away in in their homes. Really didn't. Yeah. Didn't even think about it. And that's real. And I think that we. You know, one is we have a really great community manager. We have a great community and people care about each other that's there. But as an owner, as a steward really is, you know, navigating that path in some instances. And it's really important to have like very good books on emergency contacts. Second. All that information as it relates to that and knowing that that component is real and also having empathy around that process and then working with, you know, whether that be the family member or the city around what that looks like. The other piece I would say in general that I just didn't anticipate in Oregon in particular, I, I can't speak for other states. There's a lot of rules and regulations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and there's a lot of rules and regulations and it's, you have to keep on top of it. That's, that's really essential. And I'm still learning things every day. I think it's, we, again, we have the benefit of having MHCO and I have Chuck Carpenter on direct dial and asking him questions. And he's like, don't be afraid to ask. And I think it's really important. If you don't know something, you know, don't pretend to know it, try to figure out. And there are people out there that will help you. And that's been, I think my biggest asset is I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'll reach out to folks because in general people understand if you especially around the the manufactured home community people are willing and want to help and they recognize that i've met with affordable housing community advocates we've met with some developers that are all advocates of this type of of housing and want to help and see the benefit that we provide but i think that that kind of staying on top of the rules and regulations, having a little bit more in the bank. I think navigating in what I think we're continuing to do is making people aware that this is their community. You know, this is, we are non-owners, we're stewards. This is your community. If you have recommendations for improvement, like so, for example, we had some people that wanted to plant a garden out front. Absolutely. You're welcome to do that. We encourage that component. We encourage communication. And so I think that that's a major piece. I don't know if that's for every, you know, manufactured home community, but I do think that that goes a long way of ensuring and letting people know that, hey, this is your community. You are an owner, remembering you are <laughs> you're an owner of your community. And I think that that's yeah. been a, a big learning curve. The other piece I would say, not necessarily mistake is that when you acquire an asset is that there are you're in, you're also inheriting the perception of that community of what the previous ownership did or didn't do yeah and that's with any asset whether you're acquiring an apartment building an office building it's the same within manufactured home communities and so I think it's really important to listen to community members and get a clear understanding of what that looks like and you know I think that's an evolving process and something that I really try to stay on top of with our community manager as well
1: and listening. Yeah, no, great points. Great points. Well, we've already gone through 40 minutes, so I'm going to be respectful (laughs) of your time and try to wrap this up. Is there anything else you wanted to just throw out to somebody who's Mm -hmm. aspiring to get into the space, maybe who doesn't have a, sort of has a negative perception of mobile home park, uh, which most people probably listening to this don't, but
0: sure. Yeah, I think like any investment, you will get out what you put in the first couple of years, or especially for your first time. It's going to be a learning curve and know that you're going to make some mistakes but I think that the like yourself the purpose of this show is to provide information there's a lot of information out there there's a number of resources don't be afraid to ask but your property is not going to operate by itself I think if you can do one thing the most critical thing is get a very good community manager mm-hmm. it's really important and if you don't have yeah. a community manager find out if there's a, a property management company that will take it on to help you manage it if you're not going to manage it yourself that is really critical and yeah. you you have to be an active investor as it relates to your to your park. It's not going to operate mm-hmm. on its own.
1: Yeah, especially parks too. There's yeah. just not a lot of third party management companies that do well. No. And nobody will will manage it with the same level of attention to detail as you. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I think the other piece I would I would just add to that in closing is that, you know, our community manager lives at the community. And so I think mm-hmm. that there's a if something I would do differently, you know, certainly is working with them more upfront. Of setting more boundaries around them being a community manager and them being a resident, you know, because they have to balance it wow. out. Yeah, it's tough delineation. It is
1: for some of them. Absolutely,
0: Kari, pl- always a
1: pleasure. Thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? How can In you be Your you personal cell? Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a long email address. You could reach me at Kari Gates at MPG Properties dash or just hit me up on LinkedIn again, Gates, and I will certainly respond and happy to answer questions and certainly willing to help in any way I can. Yeah, that's great. And we'll
1: put it, we'll put links to those in the show notes. So Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, always. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you got it. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks.